This episode of Safe Space Radio is brought to you with support from the Equity Fund, Physicians for Social Responsibility, and listeners like you. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space Radio. Today is part of our series on LGBTQ teenagers in Maine. You may know that this group has one of the highest risks of suicide in our country, but you also know that our culture is really changing, as evidenced by the passage of marriage equality here in Maine and in many parts of the country. Preliminary data suggests that in Massachusetts, where marriage equality took effect 10 years ago, LGBTQ teen suicide rates are going down. So we were curious to hear from some LGBTQ teens about what life is really like now in Maine. Today, I'll be talking with Kyle, who is an openly gay 16-year-old who is a sophomore in South Central Maine. He's the president both of his school's GSTA, which is the Gay, Straight, Transgender Alliance, and also the president of his school's Amnesty International Club. He loves gaming, reading, learning, and chatting online. Welcome to Safe Space Radio, Kyle. Thanks. Tell me a little bit about your own story of coming to realize inside yourself before you told anyone that you were gay. Well, I started noticing around the age of 9 or 10 that I've been responding differently from different images and stuff like that. And it was when I started realizing that the stuff I was looking at would typically be considered uh, homosexual pictures. And that's when I realized that I was gay. Like it just suddenly clicked that the reason why I was looking at these pictures was because I was also gay. And how did that feel in that moment? It was kind of wow, but I, I didn't really, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of homosexual culture and stuff like that from my parents or from my friends. Like, I used to always hear the word fag at my uh, elementary school and stuff like that, but I never really knew what it meant. So when you say I used to hear that word, do you mean you used to be called that or you would hear other kids called that word? Well, since I didn't really know what the, what it actually meant, I used it in like a jokingly way in some situations, but I was also called it too. Uh, but it was mostly because I was uh, bullied at such a young at a young age by typical middle schoolers and stuff like that since I was in elementary school and since it was such a small community we knew everybody and we knew all their faults and stuff like that and their past so in other words here you were little a little guy in elementary school you're bullied Mm -hmm. you're being called names like that but you don't even know what they mean which is probably true of a lot of a lot of young kids yeah um but you knew it was bad I mean they were using that word in a a mean way Looking back, do you think that you were being bullied partly because they sensed something different about you? I think maybe subconsciously they did, but that wasn't the reason I was bullied. No, I know the reason why I was bullied. What do you think it was? It's a a funny story, actually. Uh, When I was eight or nine, I think it was actually seven. No, I was seven. I I lived right next to a trailer park, and I I was a very secluded child. So I had maybe one or two friends, maybe two or three. But the reason why I was bullied was because, like I said, when I was seven or eight, I went out to the trailer park and I saw this group of kids playing football and I really wanted to play. They were all 11, 12-year-olds and stuff like that. So they were significantly older than me. So I, they, for some reason, they let me play. I don't know. And at the time... I was having some issues going to the bathroom, and 
they I accidentally sat on the football and when I got off there was a fecal matter stain on the football. So that's <laughs> no. why the bullying started from the start. You poor kid. So that's <laughs> why I was bullied. Oh Kyle. <laughs> and so that I'm guessing that story kinda like stayed with you. Yeah. People probably don't forget that story quickly. Until freshman year it finally stopped. Oh. <laughs> So I hear you laughing now, but I'm guessing at the time I was mortified. Oh, it was bad, I have to say. I I never really, I know a lot of kids, when they, when they get bullied, they think about suicide, but I never thought about that for a moment. I always thought about, like, fighting back and getting them back somehow. I didn't know how, but I was, I knew some in way, shape, or form in the future I would eventually have my comeuppance, if you will. Have you? Yeah. How? I stood, uh My freshman year, actually, like I said, that's when it stopped. I used to have, have you ever heard of Trip NYC pants? No. They're these very, I saw them online and I fell in love with them. They're very, very baggy, baggy pants that are for raves. And they're black with blue seams, but they had giant chains on them. And I thought they looked awesome, of course. I still think they look awesome. I wish I could wear them a lot more, but because of the story I'm going to tell you, I was banned from wearing them. Uh-oh. Okay. What happened was, on the bus, I have a friend who, she was in my GSDA too, and they were making fun of her on the bus with that. And I overheard it. And I asked them to cut it out. And most of them did. But these were the same kids who've been bullying me for years. And one of them, who was the main antagonist of this bullying, wouldn't. So I I don't know how, I forget how it actually came up to this. But in the end, we stood up while the bus was moving. And I had my chains in my pants because you can take them off. And I didn't actually hit him or anything, but I did stand my ground. There was no violence or any of that, but I did stand my ground. And there was also stuff before that, too, like me challenging them to fights and me losing because they're obviously bigger. But it was stuff like that, like fighting back slowly started to make them realize that that wasn't going to work. And finally, sophomore year, just to make sure this never happened again, I started actually sitting at the front of the bus away from them as well. So it's stuff like that just not giving up hope of fighting back and realizing that someday it will end is how I got over it. It's a really powerful story. So you are, I'm just picturing you in this bus and you're holding a chain in your hand. Are you swinging it? No, no, no. I'm just holding it. Are you saying to him, like, don't you dare call her that anymore? Like, were you, it was in defense yeah. of this girl. Mm -hmm. And from that, it was actually a couple of days later that I got sent to the principal's office because of this and they took me aside and when they saw the bus video, they quickly realized that this wasn't my fault and that they quickly sided with me. However, because I took out the chain, which was pretty stupid, I got five days of out-of-school suspension and two days in school, while the other person got two days of in-school suspension. Okay, so let me ask you a couple of things. So here's these older kids. They're about four or five years older than you. They've mm. been bullying you for years. And because it's caught on video, I didn't know school buses had videos. Yeah. Is this are, part of an anti-bullying intervention? Probably, yeah. But the cool, the weird thing was was that the reason why videos were on our bus specifically was because of those kids and because they, we had the worst bus in the system. So they primarily focused on that bus because of those kids. I see. So, so in some ways what you're saying is your school recognized there was a very serious bullying mm -hmm. problem. And the words that were being used were hate words. 
mm. um, you know, associated with being gay. So this was that were the words you were being called, even though that was actually nothing to do with what you were being bullied. Yeah, for. at the time they didn't know I was gay because I was afraid to. T- I was afraid they'd find out. But most of my friend, my friends, and most of my class and the school know knew that I was gay. I see. So the school is aware that these kids are are bullying you. Mm-hmm. They have a video in your bus. You take your stand. In some ways, something it sounds like you had been preparing yourself to do for years. Mm. And this time, although you do it on behalf of someone else who's being bullied. Yeah. But then you get a much more serious sentence than the bullies do. Well, the only reason why was because they said it would have been a significantly lower uh, sentence if I didn't use the chain. So you never had any intention. I wasn't going to use a chain, no. It was really a scare tactic to use a chain. Okay, so after this incident, um, you suffer punishment, but then it sounds like the bullying really stopped. Yeah, because they finally realized that I wasn't going to put up with them. In fact, I was tempted in the past because it got so bad that I was going to report them to the police and get, uh, I forget what they're called. Like a restraining order. Restraining orders, yes. When you say it got so bad, can you give me an example of what kind of bullying you endured? There was a kid at my school who I normally didn't have trouble with, but for some reason, I guess this day, he was either really mad or I don't know. But I was doing something, I believe was playing basketball or foursquare, and this kid started picking on me and stuff like that. The next thing I knew, he kicked me and brought me to the ground. He started kicking me in the stomach. And when the school found out about this, they blamed me for it, and I got in trouble. So your repeated experience was that you were being victimized, and you were not getting help from the adults. Mm-hmm. And your parents, what were they? What messages were they giving you? They kept on telling me to. I don't. I don't want to discredit my mom or anything, but she kept on telling me to report it and stuff like that. And I always did. And I told her at the school never did anything. She'd agree with me. And I think it just exhausted her, too, because it was every day, almost, I was coming home just upset. And she said that uh, we can always get a restraining order or something like that. And I said, okay, but we never really did it. But I think it just wore down slowly. Just the constant bullying me coming home because she was a single mother at the time, raising two kids and working a lot. So it's... She was under very strong burdens and stuff like that. I think that responding to your child being bullied is a, is really challenging because I yeah. don't think parents necessarily know what the right thing to do is, especially if the school doesn't back them up. Yeah. It sounds like you were both really counting on the school to, to help to us. Help. And, and the school really, let down. really isn't the best school. There was only so much she could really do. Looking back on it now... Are the things you wish the school had done? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you think they, what would could they have done that would have really helped you out? They could have. They had a very watchful eye on me, even though this stuff happened a lot. So I think I wish they took more of the responsibility, and would have done something more meaningful about this, and made more of them get into trouble, or talk to them, or kept an eye on them too, instead of just always keeping an eye on me. Mm-hmm. So by keeping an eye on you, it was almost like you were the problem. Yeah. Was that they a, thought did, you, I w- did you take that message inside? Like, do you feel like you... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it feels so good nowadays now that I'm really doing good in high school 
and showing all the people, all the all the staff there that I, that they were wrong about what they thought of me. <laughs> I see your huge smile. <laughs> <laughs> Redeemed. Yep. Yeah. So you had experienced all this bullying before you even came out. Yeah. Because I remember you said you wouldn't want to give the bullies more ammunition, yeah. as it were. And yet, um, so how did you decide when it was time to come out? And, and how did you feel about doing that, given I all that you'd already come through? I just, I just kind of thought that since a lot of my friends knew that maybe it was really time since I'd be in high school now, and I'd be able to really, if they did want to uh, make fun of me about it, it'd be a lot more easier to get them in trouble about it, because there were cameras on that bus at the time. So I decided that the first week or two, I would, I'd tell all my friends and all my uh, friends' friends that I was gay, and uh, it went pretty smoothly, and it was funny because the GSDA at my school, I didn't, I heard about it, but I didn't know what was going on, so homecoming was when I found out about it, which was like halfway through the year, or... It was fairly long into the year, so I missed a good portion of it. But when you say I found out about, it, you mean you didn't know the GSTA even existed? No. Uh huh. How so, did you find out? A friend of mine. We were. I was dancing with this girl. I was dancing with this girl, and she didn't know I was gay, so she thought that I was. Uh, she asked me to dance, and I said sure. And I was with a bunch of my friends, and as much as I hate to say this, but. The songs they were playing uh, wound me up in a grind line with this girl and a few other people. So it was very awkward. And at the end of the dance, she started walking me while I waited for my ride. And she was asking me if I was uh, attracted to her. And I said... She straight up asked you that? Yeah. Okay. And I said, I'm actually gay. And she said, oh my God, you are? I'm so sorry. And I said, it was all right. And she said, you do know that there is a GSDA here, right? And I was like, what's that? And she told me it was uh, Gay, Straight, Transgender Alliance. And I was like, tell me the day and the time. <laughs> so she proved to be a great friend. Yeah. Are in you... fact, that was the same girl who I set up for on the bus. Uh-huh. So thanks to her, it's, how I be- uh, it's where I am today. So the fir- from, the first th- from the first moment you heard about a GSTA, it sounds like you were like, yes. Yeah. How can I get there as soon as possible? And what was it like for you to walk into your first GSTA meeting? It was pretty amazing. Like I saw all these people who, some of them weren't exactly gay or lesbian, but they were just there because uh, either their friend's either their friends friend went there and they wanted to support them or, or they wanted to learn more about what it was. But it was a, not exactly a secret club. But it was a safe zone, if you will. It was a safe zone. Like, we'd close the door. We had our own secret place. We wouldn't name the actual door we were using. So how does the word get out? Friends. So that's so, I mean, there's a real upside and downside to that, right? On yeah. the one hand, it provides a safe zone. On the other hand, you didn't hear about it till pretty far along. Yeah. Huh. And does it, is that still how you do it? The meetings aren't public? I, um, uh, what we do is... Uh, on the announcements, they'll say, ask Kyle for, in- for more information. So they'll, add, so they'll come to me specifically, and I'll tell them what to do. And I think that was much more effective so that we still keep a secret room. And tell me about your sense of the ongoing need to keep that secret. How come? I think it's very important because a lot of the people we have in there are freshmen who aren't out yet. So, or people who are, for say, transgender, who even though they're out... 
it's still just to respect their privacy. And I think that gives them a sense of safety and, and understanding that you will be protected even if you are out. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is that that way people are in charge of when they come out. Yeah. And they're not exposed prematurely. We're not outing anybody. Yes, and that people really get to explore things and have a safe space to question Mm -hmm. without feeling like they have to declare themselves when they're not really clear yet. Yeah. Uh Is it also a reflection of of feeling literally threatened at the school? I've heard stories of uh, the past at my school and how bad it was with the... LGBT scene there and I had a story where I heard that when a a good friend of mine uh, he was eating lunch and he got food thrown at him because he was openly gay and I think we've gone from that to no like there's there are some side conversations we hear about homophobia and stuff like that but it's definitely not as bad then so I think it's I think it has it's not exactly dangerous, but it's for their own safety, just in case, as a precaution. So, Kyle, I'm really struck that, so here you are, you're 16, you're a sophomore in high school. The GSDA is is very private, and you are the visible spokesperson. Mm-hmm. How do people know to get to the meeting? Because ask Kyle. So you have kind of yeah. taken on this role. And the high school knows that I'm gay. Apparently they do. And... What was it like for you to really step forward the way you have and become that person? It was pretty... I was asked the last trimester of my freshman year, and we did a unanimous vote of me being the president because our previous one was going to college, and we all said our tearful goodbyes, and it was very sad to see him go because he was a very influential person, and he actually... He's the one who actually helped me get out, in fact, because I'm not exactly the most... I don't want to sound offensive, but flamboyant of gay people. Like, I'm very laid back. I don't really, I don't really, like, uh, say dances and stuff like that. I don't really dance. I don't really, I just kind of hang out in the back. So I'm like a more seclusive person, and I'm not exactly always the best speaker, per se. So how did he do this? So the former president of the GSTA, how did he inspire you to come out more? Just by watching him because he seemed very out there and outgoing and stuff like that. Seeing him do programs like Jumpstart and everything and talking about uh, the things that he's done in the past really inspired me to start taking up my own responsibilities and helping out with the gay scene. And Jumpstart, of course, is the group of of leaders in the GSTA movement throughout the state of Maine. Mm -hmm. So he was part of that leadership group. Yep. Uh huh. So just his very example is what inspired you. And are you hoping that by being so openly out yourself that you will be that example for others? I hope so, yeah. Are there freshmen who have come up to you and asked you for guidance about coming out and whether it's safe and who and how and not? Not always, no. I can't really think of a story off the top of my head, but... I know that there are friends who have asked me questions like, for instance, uh, how I came out exactly and how I did this. Not exactly questions pertaining to themselves. I've dealt with a lot of stuff like, even though I'm not the best at it and I'm not exactly certified for it, but people who are hurting themselves because they haven't really come out yet and stuff like that. What, and do I've had, what do you mean hurting themselves? Like, uh, they're afraid of the reaction, and they sometimes do cutting and stuff like that. 
and I've had to help give advice to those people, and I'm not exactly the best advice giver. Like, I can only give what's what I can feel is the best option, and it's sometimes hard for me to say stuff like that because I'm not exactly the best speaker, and I mix up my words a lot. You're doing a great job, Kyle. Thanks. <laughs> I want to ask you a little bit more about your family, if that's okay. Yeah. And I, I understand, so your parents are divorced, and you have one brother, is it? One sister? I have... Recently, I got another sister, so I have one eleven-year-old sister, one one-and-a-half-year-old sister, and a ten-year-old stepsister. Okay, and how have they been with with you? Are coming out? How has that gone? Uh, they found out, and I did tell them, but it wasn't exactly a sit-down kind of thing. My mom found out because she knew I was going to these clubs and stuff like these GSDA meetings and stuff like that, and she was spec she was speculative. At the beginning, she thought that I wasn't gay. She thought there was just a phase and stuff like that. However, I told her how I've been feeling over the past couple of years since I was nine and ten, and how I'm really and she's seen how I'm really dedicated into this group and these activities and these rallies and stuff like that. Like I've been to the gay pride parade and I've shown my face. So she, I think she's realized, even though she's not exactly comfortable with it at times she can acknowledge and and she can respect uh, how I am and the same goes for my dad however he grew up in a more fundamental uh environment religious yep Mm -hmm. so he was a little bit more not offensive because he he loved me a lot like he always put us first him his children he always put his children first and I always respected him and he always respected me. He always used to say that I was his best friend. In fact, he still says this to his de- to this day that I'm one of his best and only friends. However, when I told him this, it did seem like a blow because he realized that um, it goes against his views. Not only like that, but he wouldn't. He'd obviously have grandchildren, but it'd be much more. It wouldn't be uh, the norm. So part of, part of what I'm hearing you say is that you think your dad. Like for him, there was a loss. Yeah. In finding out that you were gay, and it, but it also sounds like his love for you was unwavering. Yeah, he loves me very, very much, and he do the world for me. I'm so glad you're. It sounds like you're so clear about that. Yeah. Like you don't question it. One of the reasons that we wanted to do this series is mm-hmm. because we were hopeful that marriage equality passing in Maine might really signal a shift in the culture um, mm-hmm. that made it safer for everyone and and that ultimately might really reduce the suicide rate or they're hurting themselves or mm-hmm. and i'm i'm curious do you notice a change in the past year in your high school that affects the kids that you're friends with i can only say from my high school i can't i don't really know a lot about other places in maine however i've noticed that from the stories i've heard of what it used to be like a lot has changed, and there has been a much more positive view of gay people and much more accepting view as well in my high school. And a good way to show this is that we have such a big group in the GSDA now than what we had before that people are wanting to, not just acknowledging it, but wanting to see how we are and wanting to see, like, that we're normal people too and are acknowledging our rights. It feels like one of the impacts for you is you've you've become like a warrior for social justice, a warrior for people's rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, I think I want to come back to what we were talking about before, because 
this this question or that your story, I think that's very powerful, many parts of it, Kyle, but one is that is this distinction between you know the the risk of suicide and addiction and self harm mm-hmm. and then like your perspective of kind of triumphant you know like Redemption, i'm not yeah. i'm not going to yeah this they're not going to keep me down and if you had a friend that was really feeling despairing mm-hmm. a friend who was gay and who maybe was facing bullying or whose family wasn't accepting him and was feeling like a loss of hope is there something that you would do to help give him some of that fight back spirit that you have i try and give him support i try and give him like uh, talk to him about this and see if there are ways that we can try and help him and give him words of encouragement and say that it's all right and sometimes i'll even use my own past experiences in order to inspire him and s- make him see that there is always uh, a better way to get out and be more accepted so i just kind of cuz with parents i'm not i'm not the best with like i said i'm not the best speaker but however I try and give I try and lift his spirit up because I can't really go over to his house and force his parents to accept him. It's hard for me to find the bullies find the people who are bullying him and make them stop. However, I can do things like go to the school's deputy and make sure that he keep that just to tell him to keep an extra eye on him and make sure that nothing's bad happening to him like uh, on his way to not exactly on his way to school but but switching between buildings and stuff like that and asking some of his teachers to keep an eye out for him and make sure uh, between crossing classes or even during class that nobody's picking on him or bullying him. So those transitions are the times of vulnerability. Yes, transitions, definitely. So I want to just tell you a little story of my own. I I went to, a, as a parent, a mom, and I mm-hmm. went to a, a workshop on bullying in schools and kind of how to, how to protect your kids, how to be an effective parent mm-hmm. around bullying. And the speaker, who was someone involved in the Portland public school system, said that in his experience, part of what was helpful with kids who were being bullied was that they needed to to be able to communicate that they were willing to fight back. Mm-hmm. So there's this a room of mothers, right? And the mothers are all in there like, walk away, don't fight camp, right? A lot of moms, mm-hmm. right? They don't want their boy to grow up violent. They don't want the boy to fight. And it was unco- very uncomfortable for us mm-hmm. to hear this story that we should be supporting our son to maybe not necessarily fight back, but to sure as hell be ready to, be mm-hmm. willing to, and to communicate that. And I found that hard to make peace with, but he, your story really kind of confirms what he was saying. I'd love to hear what you think about that. I think it's a feeling that you feel when you just have had enough. You don't want to fight. You don't want to hurt them. However, you're ready to show them that it's you're done. You don't want to deal with this anymore and that you're prepared to stand up for yourself and make them see that the game is over. It's all seriousness now. There's no more joking. There's no more laughing. It's either if you don't, if you better stop now or I'm going to have to make you stop. It sounds like almost you got to that place of total clarity. Like the game is over. This Mm. is done. And as you look back on that, do you feel like the threat of violence was necessary? Like, do you think it really had to come to that? I do. The way I was treated and 
the things that they did to me were not okay, and I decided that then and there, since the school didn't want to help me, and they obviously weren't going to stop, I had to do something about it. I had to stand up for myself and make them see that this is not going to happen ever again. And it sounds like it hasn't. No. They've never been a problem for me after that. So, Kyle, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. Thanks, Ian. So, of course, the last thing we want to do is endorse violence as a way to resolve conflict. But I do really want to emphasize that without any fighting, Kyle was able to stop years of bullying with the force of his clarity. If you are experiencing bullying around sexual orientation issues in your high school, or if you know someone who is and who needs support, um, please encourage that person to find out about whether their high school does have a GSTA, and if not, to, to look up GLSEN, which is the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, and they can be found at glsen.org. Again, that's glsen.org. I want to remind you that we are inviting your stories. If you have a story that you would like to share, whether you're a parent or a teacher or a guidance counselor or a teenager or someone who was a teenager a while ago, that you would like to share about these issues, please contact me at drannsafespaceradio.com. And Dr. Ann is D-R-A-N-N-E. If you only got to hear part of this show and you really want to hear the rest of it, or if you want to email it to a friend, please go to our website, which is safespaceradio.com. You can subscribe there to get a weekly email with the link to that week's show. You can also download us from iTunes. We'd love it if you would write us a review on iTunes, and you can like us on Facebook. My thanks today to Gabe Graben for producing the show, Betsy Parsons, who is from Glisten and who has been really the heart and soul behind pulling this series together. Jim Russell, our consultant, and Maurice Lennon for the intro music. Coming up next is Speak Freely.